Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day, the world is changing, and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. So just to get started, Gary, it'd be really cool to understand what your role is, but could you describe your role currently and what you do as though I'm a five-year-old? When you prompted me for this, this was a great question. And I said to my wife last night, you know, I need to explain this as if I, as if you're a five-year-old. So I explained it and she said, I'm, I'm a 50-year-old and I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, right, okay. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Let me try that again then. I work in the procurement department, John Lewis Partnership. And John Lewis Partnership consists of Waitrose and John Lewis. And when you buy something in the shop, when you buy your toy in the shop, your mum will pay at the till. The people working there will be wearing uniform. You might need a bag for the toy that you bought. So the procurement team's job is to buy these things from other companies so that the shop can use them. Procurement makes sure they are available when you need them so the shop can use them. Procurement also makes sure that the people who produce those items are treated fairly, have been paid fairly, have good working conditions. And also, procurement makes sure that, that John Lewis is paying the right price for those so it doesn't cost you more as the customer. And my team in, in procurement is responsible for developing the tools and giving people the education to how to use those tools, really teaching people the importance as well of all those things of making sure that we get the right price, but also we have the right conditions for workers. We're considering the planet as well. And also making sure that we're building good relationships with the companies that we buy from. So Gary, we're going to dive into sort of the meat of this podcast now. We're going to be talking about rebranding procurement. And I'm just going to put a slight caveat here. I have absolutely no idea how this is going to go. Like, I, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on this and I'm going to kind of keep them. I'm going to try and be quiet as much as possible here, let you talk. But maybe we'll start off with reimagining procurement in this way as to why it may be necessary to rebrand procurement. Feel free to join in because I think it's a, com- it's a conversation we need to have rather. I mean, I'm not going to say I've got the answers. It's just very much like you. It's a thought that I'm having of, you know, what is procurement now? What does it need to be in the future? So my thoughts are like procurement needs to evolve because times are changing and expectations are changing. Technology is changing. Everything around us is changing at a pace that we've never seen. That we've never seen, right? Yeah. It feels like every three months, there's a life-changing technology moment over the last year. And I don't think we can even keep up mentally. I don't think we're aware of the vast changes that are happening right now. Yeah. But also environmental changes, you know, what's going on around us in the world, that sort of, you know, there's just stuff happening all the time. And because of, you know, social media, et cetera, we're much more clued in to to things now as well, aren't we? It's sort of like, it's instant. Like, it doesn't doesn't take time for news to filter through. It's happening there and then in front of you. Everything's real time, right? Especially with uh, platforms like Twitter, which have effectively changed the media, the way in which we consume, I guess, news in terms of that kind of media. You can find out anything that's happening around the world in any location in real time. And that's 
scary it's wonderful <laughs> but like you're i think we were just talking about linkedin and the same's kind of happening on there as well real-time commentary around events whether it's business environment sustainability news it's all there i don't think procurement's in a kind of do or die situation i don't think it's like change now or you know procurement won't exist but i do think we need to realign ourselves as to what we are what does procurement offer because you know you say talk about linkedin See a lot of great posts on LinkedIn, you know, from yourself, Tom Mills, Dave Jones, others, talking about procurement and dinosaurs. I have a slightly more extreme view than you on this, that's for sure, and not than most people. <laughs> yeah, so as procurement dinosaurs, we're waiting for them. Some people are waiting for the meteor to strike. Yeah. But what, what I would say is, you know, there's some really, good, there's some really great conversations happen on, on LinkedIn. And we say, you know, procurement professionals are saying we're more than cost savings. We're about risk management, relationship builders, with the brand custodians, putting ourselves forward as the enablers of the business, procurement people being critical thinkers, you know, big statements around how much we care about sustainability, diversity, human rights, and also this entrepreneurial aspect to it. And you've seen a lot more of that with um, procurement professionals now, sort of like actively being entrepreneurs you know setting up their own businesses but also talking with an entrepreneurial spirit so that's kind of the conversation which is happening in procurement circles but when procurement talks to you know the paymaster um, yeah yeah it's a very different conversation it's a different conversation isn't it <laughs> so true yeah yeah no it certainly is a lot of procurement teams report into the, the cfo and what's the cfo's focus you know, it's finance related isn't it and it's money and we quite quickly revert to well look how much money we could save you or if you let procurement do this look how good we are at negotiating or we could run some tenders you know and it's, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all that measurable stuff that we'd fall back on to justify why an organization who's employed a procurement team should use the procurement team rather yeah. than saying you know setting our stall out early to say we're a procurement team. We're here. We're part of your organization. We're going to help the organization thrive. So we're going to deliver. We're going to deliver on risk management. We're going to, be, we're going to build great relationships. We're going to bring more innovation in. You know, we're going to really drive the brand. We're going to do all this stuff. Oh, and by the way, we'll probably save some money as we go. But it seems whenever procurement has that conversation with the CFO, they think the CFO wants to hear, save money. So that's the first thing they lead with. And then, then they don't hear anything else after that, after that point. <laughs> it is a really good point. And it's one that I thought about a lot, especially over this sort of last 18 months. It's like a, a safety net, right? Like a procurement is so easy to say, actually, we're here to cut costs and costs is kind of the primary focus. But your point there around, we could do all of these other things and we should be doing all of these other things. Because if we're not, we're probably going to let costs seep in from, you mentioned risk management. If we don't manage risks, well, something's bound to happen at some point that will cost more money than whatever we've saved on that contract value. And I've also been thinking about the, the CFO, sort of just going back to your point of most procurement people, where do they report? To the CFO. And that is my experience as well, sometimes in ops, but normally they're very closely aligned to that CFO. I think the conversation, kind of what you're alluding to as well, is it kind of needs to come out of these these procurement bubbles. And 
procurement needs to be talking internally within their own organizations, how they can better do things. But probably in places and forums like LinkedIn on Twitter is talk to more of these other types of people across the business and really try and figure out what they're interested in. I've been speaking to a few CFOs and there's one CFO on a platform called Substack. He's on LinkedIn as well called CJ. And we've been chatting a bit. And it's just really interesting to see his perspectives because you suddenly realize actually they don't just care about cost but if we're only going to offer up that we can reduce cost of course they're just going to take it right so does this take a a strong sort of vision from a procurement leader or multiple people all the way down sort of the hierarchy in a procurement team to make this happen like how do we get around this kind of issue that we're presented with which is a lot of good insular conversations within procurement communities and groups but it kind of isn't going anywhere outside of that yeah keep talking and keep generating that feel within the procurement bubble i wonder if we're just not confident enough in it to have actually gone out and had that conversation wider in that we want to do it we think we've got the skills to do it can we say we're delivering it and perhaps we're retreating to things that we know that we can deliver and that we have delivered and it's proven already, rather than being a bit more audacious in our goals and saying, actually, well, we haven't delivered this, but we could, and let's go after it. Is it saying that we feel we need to deliver first before we message? But I think we just need to be brave and start having those conversations wider. Even on LinkedIn, I would say it's a great network and there's some great procurement people on there, but it's very much procurement people. So, you know, in that network, having that conversation. So I guess it is how do we expand? out of there on those platforms. So there is a CFO reading a post about procurement and, re- and you know, yeah. they're reading the post about all the great stuff that procurement does. So then they might be asking the question in their organization, is my procurement team doing? Yeah, we certainly need to involve the finance CFO team into conversations. I, I really like your point there about like, keep talking about these things openly, keep talking about these things in these communities because if the CFO does see it, that they can then go and make some critical thinking decisions within their own business. That could be a really good way to open this up. I still just wonder, the way I'm looking at this is that all of these other responsibilities that we've kind of spoken about or things that procurement teams are doing, if we're not talking to people within our business that we to say that we are doing it, I just think that then for one, never going to know, but we're always going to be bombarded by these other things emerging, whether it's, like you said, relationship management, risk management, sustainability, ESG, making sure people are paid fairly in the supply chain, supply chain visibility, that we could do a list, you know, 20, 30 more points here. And these things are happening and procurement are kind of just picking them up at the moment and getting on with it. But I don't think they're doing a good enough job internally in saying, actually, we're doing all of this stuff and we're also (laughs) saving money for the business. But we're doing all of these other things to stop things happening that are bad, whether that's you know, bringing on a supplier that has some form of modern slavery within. So maybe it's exploiting female workers somewhere in the supply chain, wherever it is. I just think that we're doing these things already. We're not doing a good enough job of explaining internally and then potentially getting the back in to go do more of it. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, I mean, that is a good point. Because part of rebranding is about how you communicate your brand as well. I do think there's a bit of sort of like internal in the procurement department looking at yourselves to say, actually, what do we stand for? 
what is it we want to deliver? What do we want to believe in? What's the message we want to give? You know, we've got a clear message and a clear brand. And then it sort of like ripples from there. We've got real allies within the business who some of the things that as procurement professionals we want to deliver, it's it's embedded in people's day jobs. You know, so if you if you have an ethics and sustainability team, which we do, working with them really closely, what's their goals? How do they want to achieve them? Well, they can't achieve them without procurement's input because you know, scope free emissions, for example, that's so you know, in the supply chain, right? <laughs> all your supply chain, yeah. So so you need procurement support in doing that. But rather than waiting for someone to come and say, what are you doing? You know, go and approach those teams. You know, I've got really good relationships with the Ethics and Sustainability team. We're now working, doing workshops together, you know, joint workshops to identify what does the supply chain, what's the visibility in our supply chain? What's key to us around net zero, raw materials, human rights within that supply chain? And how are we going to develop out to have absolute certainty, like you say, that there's no modern slavery in our supply chain, that we are paying fairly, that our carbon emissions are being managed by the suppliers as well. So that's great. You know, we've got kind of a joint mission that we're on there with the Ethics and Sustainability team. But equally, I think, you know, having a great relationship with internal audit. And I know there's, there's lots of procurement people who shudder when they hear internal audit. And I just go, yes, because they, they're great allies as well, because you know, they're identifying areas for improvement that as a procurement department, you can help the business solve. So it's not necessarily the audit on your own procurement team, but the audits across the business as a whole. So if you understand actually what are the outstanding audit actions and which ones can I help resolve, which ones can I help influence? You know, if I'm working, if the resilience team has an audit action, which involves the management of supplies, well, I can help, I can help you deliver that. So, you know, go, go and have those conversations and, and look for opportunities. Just that point on audit is really interesting that you welcome it in that way, because in the past, I kind of don't like them, but really do like them at the same time. And one thing that they're normally very good at is getting rid of blind spots for you because we can get very insular and that's across any any team. So that's why I always think those internal audits are so powerful because it can pick up areas where maybe you're not doing so well and also across the business where the rest of the business isn't doing so well. But your point there as well as working with your, your ethics team, is that like one of the main benefits of potentially like rebranding procurement from sort of more of a cost-cutting, cost-saving only function to doing more and more of this you know, wider piece, especially around sustainability, scope-free, modern slavery. Is that one of the main big benefits here of you're absolutely certain as much as you know with the work you're doing that none of that is happening in your supply chain and your business is aligned in that goal? It's a massive opportunity. It's a massive, it's a big benefit. It should be a benefit to all organizations. Um, the work at John Lewis Partnership, it's, you know, it's, it's in our DNA that we are you know, treating our supply chain well. So if, if we're not upholding that within our indirects and our, as well as our directs, then that's not good. We, you know, it's really key to the partnership as a whole, which is great because as a procurement professional, I think it's really important. So there's a real opportunity for alignment there, but there's a massive opportunity for procurement to come forward, not necessarily as the expert, but as a partner to help deliver around ESG because ESG is, is, you know, there's more and more focus on ESG in all companies now. So if you're not having those conversations, it's a, there's a massive opportunity because there's a gap, you know. A lot of the forums I've been on recently talking about 
ESG measurements and you know, how do we move forward and how are we going to be successful? It's an unknown space, which procurement could step into. And I do think that's a big area if we were to you know, rebrand to move away from cost savings. Why not get on that ESG vehicle to help us deliver that? And for me, what, what I love about that is it's all core procurement skills around understanding your supply base, having good relationships with your supply base, being you know fair, open, transparent with the way that you do business. All really good procurement principles that play really well into that area. I've seen a lot of commentary around you know, the future chief sustainability officers and it's very likely that there are already those roles in the C-suite in some organizations. It looks like it's going to become potentially a more common or more normal C-suite role, that this could be a stepping stone for procurement leadership to kind of get away from the sort of the procurement language and to go into a chief sustainability officer role. But the main question I was going to ask as part of this rebranding of procurement is, does the word procurement do whatever it is we're doing or should be doing or want to be doing, does it do it justice? So is the word procurement holding us back in any way? I'm so glad you asked that because this is something that I've been thinking about for quite a long time. And what does procurement mean? You know, the first question you asked me is, you know, explain your job to, to a five-year-old. Well, I should be able to say I work in procurement. And they just know it, right? People should just know what that is. It shouldn't need a, a definition <laughs> to accompany it. Exactly. And, you know, and, and as I said, my wife, well, obviously, I, I mean, I've worked in procurement for 35 years. My, my wife and I, we've been together for 33 of those years. So she's, she's been with me all the way along my procurement career. And she said, yeah, I don't know what you do. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've well, had uh, similar conversations. <laughs> it's a weird one, right? Yeah, it is. But also, I think the word procurement has connotations that, you know, of people's experience of procurement. You know, and it's, it'll be different in every organization. But, you know, when you talk externally and, you know, what, what's your view on procurement? When I started new roles in new organizations, you know, that's one of the questions you ask is, what's your net promoter score? of procurement you know what's your opinion of procurement what do you think they do well and what do you think they could do better and quite often the feedback's not great is, is it it's, 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 uh, it's normally awful yeah do you think a lot of procurement professionals ask that question in their interviews i've normally always asked like what is the view of procurement internally wherever i've been whether it's consulting or permanent i just wonder if if that is the norm in asking but i agree with you it's not normally very pleasant that's interesting. When you're interviewing, you're, you're desperate to get the job. You know, if, if I'm honest, a lot of the jobs that I've gone into, you know, the role that I've had has been brought in because procurement hasn't been performing well or isn't well. well yeah. So, well, it's, we need to shake the procurement team up again. But then, you know, we shake the procurement team up by saying, oh, yeah, this, this team's going to save you X amount of pounds. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's a definition of madness, isn't it? We do the same thing over and over again, expect to different result so does the name procurement sort of like hold you back a little bit from stepping into those new areas because of people's previous experience yeah when i started work i didn't know the word procurement and actually quite a way into my career i was working in purchasing departments and then this term procurement came in there is definitely i think there probably is a bit of a stigma around the word yeah I can recall when I was going for my grad role, which was a commercial role, and it was split into two areas, procurement and effectively legal. And, and I was mainly interested originally in the legal 
element and the contract element. And I was like, what on earth is procurement? <laughs> like I looked on Wikipedia and it was like buying services and goods for business. And I was like, oh, so it's just buying, right? <laughs> like, and it just felt like a very complex way of saying it. And then as I got in, I, I really like your point that you mentioned purchasing. There's almost like a, an internal elitism within the profession, which are bundled like procurement and purchasing into that procurement is so much vastly better than purchasing because purchasing effectively just covers RFQs, go get a quotation, buy some stuff, maybe use a, a credit card to buy it or send a, an invoice and you kind of don't worry about anything else. And I find it really weird. Anyway, that kind of weird artificial separation. But then, yeah, just on the word procurement, everywhere I've been, uh, I've introduced myself as, oh, I'm in procurement or I've come in to do this within the procurement side. And like you just see their faces drop instantly. And very similar to you, like a, a lot of the the roles I've had over the last five years was fundamentally because a procurement team was underperforming or not getting the... And, and by underperforming, a lot of the time it was, we don't have the right relationships in the business as opposed to not saving enough money, or we can't get people to use our processes, or our processes are so vastly complicated that no one knows how to even start a request to procure, to buy, or to get something that they need. Can you help? And yeah, I just think the word procurement, it does in places hold us back. I, I look over across the sea and see what the, the US sort of procurement professionals are doing. And a lot of those teams aren't called procurement. They're like sourcing teams or contract management teams. My last role, I wasn't in a procurement team. I was in a supplier management team. And one of the questions I asked in my interview, why is it called supplier management, not procurement? And then they said negative connotations of what procurement can do. But that's kind of where my brain is going with this is that procurement is holding back procurement as a profession, it kind of limits us as to what we can deliver. But I don't have a magic wand answer as to what we should be calling ourselves. I do kind of like the supplier management piece as a name or just focusing you know, vendor management, I think is a really good term as well. That's kind of, I think, like quite a soft way to change it. And it's a way that I guess over the last few years, I've kind of warmed to quite significantly despite using procurement. Uh, this podcast is called Procurement Reimagined for a reason. And it may be that we reimagine the procurement out of the, the podcast title. I mean, my job title is Procurement Lead, procurement lead Supplier Management. I had an interesting talk from Simon Gill from Proxima, and he was talking about the different aspects of procurement, you know, so the tech aspect, the sourcing aspect, the contract management aspect, the supplier relationship management. And, you know, it got me thinking when he, you know, when he was sort of segmenting it like that, like, you know, there's a procurement team, but there's very specific roles within that procurement team, obviously depending on the, the scale of the team, you know. Yes, certainly. In smaller teams, it's you know, one person does all of those or everyone does all of those, right? But yeah, it's, it's good to, to segment it out, yeah. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I know, you know, I've worked in teams where I was procurement, that was it. <laughs> yeah. So you, did, so, so you did all of that. In a larger team, you do have that, you know, different roles, different skill sets to deliver those different aspects as well. And, you know, just thinking when you're saying, should it be procurement, should it be supply management, should it all sit in procurement? You know, should it be, should it be sort of like carved out a little bit so that we don't bundle every, you know. Decentralize it. Yeah. From requisition through to through sourcing, through contract management, through to supply relationship management, is it right that all sits in one place? I don't know. It's, it's horses for courses, really, isn't it? Because it depends a lot on what the organization 
needs from those aspects. Yeah, that last sentence is probably the most important point, isn't it, here, really? It's like, what does the organization need? And then it's like, is this traditional model of how we do procurement going to enable it or prevent it? And I think it is holding it back, regardless of what that view is of the the business. But it's a, it's a really, this is a super difficult topic. So I'm glad we're kind of just talking it through here because I, I, I don't have the answers. I'd be really intrigued anyone listening as to whether they also want to come talk about this because I, I think it's a fundamental point. Your point as to whether, you know, whether procurement who houses all of these different areas, is that the right thing for it to do? And whether it should be, well, whether broken up or separated and moved around, there could be a, something good there that could come out of that but i don't necessarily like we said we don't necessarily have the answers here but i think this is the the type of conversation that we should be brave enough to have because i think we do need change in the space gary you said you've you've been doing procurement for 35 years maybe what's like one big change you've seen in that time from you know Gary 35 years ago to Gary now, like what are you seeing in the space that you could say, actually, that's so fundamentally changed that it's so vastly different now? Well, I mean, tech definitely in that time. Yeah. You know, I think back to my first role, I worked for the company that did the distribution for McDonald's. Oh, wow. Okay. They also baked the buns and made cola. You know, so you're too young to remember McDonald's own cola before McDonald's sold cola. Oh, that was a thing, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I want to try yeah, some. So, yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> That's incredible. And the root beer. Well, that was just... What? This is life-changing news right for me right now. I'll be completely honest. Root beer at McDonald's sounds incredible. Yeah, that was my first role. And I was, you know, work, say, working in the purchasing department. We were a centralized purchasing department. I remember when I started, my boss said to me, yeah, we keep going through these cycles every seven years. You know, we centralize it, we decentralize. Yeah, I've had that. <laughs> That's the other thing, technology and pace of change, you know, because he said, you know, every seven years we change. Well, now it's not every seven years we change, is it? It's constant change. You know, we, we're just getting used to a world now of this might be what it is this week, but it's going to be, could be something different next week. So you, you've got to go with it. But those purchase orders that I raised, that I took, requisitions on carbon copy paper yeah yeah the free layer stuff right yeah that's it yeah and maybe this is slightly concerning because i only started in procurement in 2015 and in 2017 i was doing that wow oh my gosh yeah and in a multi-billion pound company yeah because when i normally talk to people about carbon copy paper they say what what's that that's the only reason i know what it is because like in what other aspect of my life will i come across it oh in a procurement role like (laughs) So, yeah, I'd take the requisition, you know, I'd raise the purchase order in what was, you know, lovingly called a dumb terminal. Okay. Which, you know, is really great for your self-esteem to say that you spent all day working on a dumb terminal. It's like, yeah. okay, brilliant. And so I'd raise the, raise the purchase order number. Then I would have to go to the Telex machine. Now, I'm sure you haven't worked on one of these. You've lost me now. <laughs> right. So the Telex machine, you would dial the number that you're connecting with. And you would type out the order and it'd be like a typewriter and it'd be punching out the order on your side and it would also be punching out the order on the other side. So that's the way you sent purchase orders. Then the fax machine arrived in the office. Oh my God, it was a life changer. I bet, yeah. I mean, my typing skills have never been great, 
uh, on our telex machine as well if you made a mistake it was really hard you couldn't delete it you'd made the mistake and you had to... <laughs> it's there <laughs> yeah it was very stressful but fax machine was like life-changing because i could now write my orders and send them but that was a real challenge because my handwriting has never been great <laughs> so i quite often get people phone me and say what is it you've ordered <laughs> then obviously email email came in you know technology is has really changed in that area is what I say and it's in the communication area really isn't it is you know it's how do you communicate those aspects I spent quite a chunk of my working life working at a software developer who who developed p2p systems so during the 90s I was part of that journey of you know moving things forward and introducing cataloging that was a great experience for me because I'd see from the point of speaking to the client about what their needs are telling them what the best practice was, helping them implement their systems, etc. And from 88 to the late 90s, there was a big shift in P2P, and then it kind of all stopped. And the reason it all stopped was because of the millennium bug, because no one was developing systems, everyone was testing systems. And people say that, you know, that was a big uh, hoo-ha about nothing. It wasn't. It was real. The millennium bug was real, you know. All these systems were going to fall over if you didn't have dedicated people testing them and, and fixing them so that they could roll over from their two-digit year to a four-digit year. Yeah. I think there's been a bit of a gap in the technology development for P2P systems since those late 90s. Now, again, it feels like it's really moving on. Exploded, again, right? It? It's like, yeah, it absolutely, yeah, incredibly. So, I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, so... The 18-year-old in 1988 would not recognize technology as it is today. Yeah. And this is almost looking through a, a lens of history for me in kind of it, because I was a kid. <laughs> what you just described, I wasn't born for some of it. And then I was a, a young kid. It kind of felt like the technology in a space got to a set point and then for 10 to 14 years kind of stalled. And then 2017 picked up again because there was a bit more excitement in the space some big money was spent with some tech providers. And then COVID has really vastly demonstrated the fragility in some areas of just not having the right data or processes or a million other things. And now it's just like, uh, if I even, like, like I said, doing, I was doing the carbon paper requisitions at one point, just a few weeks I may add, because I, I got rid of that very quickly there. I was like, well, this is not how we, we do this. Not to say that the system of just doing it via email was any better, but it has so vastly changed just in the, I would say the last two, three years. Like I, I couldn't imagine myself working at a tech company, right? To talk about procurement in this space. So no, that's really cool. Really nice to, to hear. Gary, going to move on to like four closing questions. These are just like quick fire, short form. You can answer them however you want. And I just kind of set the reason we, we asked these is because we have... Every month at the moment, over a thousand listens of these episodes, which is kind of wonderful as a, a new podcast. And there's a lot of people across the world in different kinds of procurement, contract management roles. And everyone does stuff so vastly different, <laughs> or they've got a certain approach in their business. And we're just trying to see like, how do people do things? So maybe the first question I ask is, how many contracts do you manage at the moment? Can I say how many suppliers we have first? Because I think that puts oh, in perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, I mean, we have in the region of 3,000 suppliers. And just, oh, to, wow. just, just to put that into perspective, that's across two retail brands. We have a farm. We have hotels. 
and we have financial services and head offices. So we've done quite a job of reducing those down from around 6,500, so we're, we're at 3,000 at the moment in the regional. Now, the vast majority of that, the spend with those supplies is across about 500 supplies. More than 90% of our spend is with, you know, is with 500 suppliers. So that's where we concentrate our contracting effort, around those 500. Others are on real short form or purchase order terms. Yeah. When you said that, when you said 3,000, instantly I was like, oh, that's quite a lot. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like a lot, <laughs> given no, like I just, um, I'm aware of just the sheer vastness of your organization. That's incredible. I've seen organizations that have way more than that, that are smaller. I've worked in some organizations in government that have close to that. And that's just in one tiny part. I'm kind of laughing to myself because that can be a particularly messy area. Gary, what's one piece of tech, software, hardware that you could not live without? And as frustrating as it can be, video conferencing. Now, Oh, wow. Okay. I would never have said that pre-COVID. Yeah. Because I don't think I'd done one video conferencing call pre-COVID. But now I just couldn't live without it. The relationship building you can do the networking yeah it's incredible that's a really good answer no one's answered that by the way a lot of people said phones you're the first person to mention that and now and just your point like i think i did the odd skype call to to people family members maybe but i don't even know skype's a thing anymore (laughs) i don't don't hear about it but yeah it's a really good point actually and now microsoft teams resurgence it's a really interesting space for sure And the weirdest question that I will ever ask anyone in procurement is, imagine I'm your procurement genie. What's your one procurement wish that I can grant? So whether we continue to call ourselves procurement or not, but my one wish from the genie would be that when I say I work, when someone asks me, where do you work? And I say, I work in procurement. They say, wow, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. That must be so exciting. And I really understand what that is you do. And yeah, you're making such a difference to the planet in the work you do. You're making such a difference to people, to organizations. I get it. I really get what you do. Well done. That would be my one. That's amazing, actually. I think I'm going to steal that as my answer to this question. Because like you were saying about your wife, that she still doesn't really understand. Like, I have conversations with my partner and she's, you know, at one stage of my career, I couldn't tell her anything because of like working in government, in defense, official secrets act, couldn't tell her what I was doing. I was just be like, oh, I'm buying stuff and putting contracts in place for stuff and then making sure that stuff comes through. And that was like the only way I could say, I couldn't say like, oh, I just brought this. Or like, that's as much as I could say. I couldn't go into any detail and I still really can't. But like, as I went through my, like the last five years, she still was like, it just sounds so complex. Like why, why procurement? Like, what was that word? So just to come back to that theme of like, is procurement the right word, the right description for this profession? It's a good question, but I really like that answer. But Gary, thanks so much for uh, for joining. I really appreciate you inviting me. You know, I'm a big fan of your content on LinkedIn. So I was, I was chuffed when you said, could we have a conversation? And yeah, it's been great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, awesome. No, I appreciate it, Gary. Thank you. Procurement Reimagined is brought to you by Gatekeeper. To find out more about Gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility, control, and compliance to our customers, visit www.gatekeeperhq.com. And then make sure to search for Procurement Reimagined in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. 
make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Gatekeeper, thanks for listening.